1: Walker back on the Mike sports radio 927 wFnZ as always we appreciate you sharing your midday with us you can share your thoughts and comments too on the Carolina men's clinic text line 704. 704- Five seven zero ninety six ten. We want to hear from you. 704-570-9610. And you can try to combat more of our SEC homerism that we brought to the airwaves <laughs> yesterday. I thought at least one person would back the ACC a little more so on this show. But all three of us. All three of us. Our committee was in unison. It was. It was. I hated it. (laughs) So it's funny because I think Mac was the only one that agreed with us on the airwaves yesterday. Yeah. Am I right about that, Fiddy? Is Mac the only one that felt the same way that we did? Anybody that has a show on WFNZ? I
3: I think Bone and Flounder were in the same category, but maybe not as overwhelmingly. All three of us. Did not disagree at all with the way the committee selected the playoff field.
1: This is all speculation, but I walk into the studio today and I see the college football conference records in front of me. And I know Colin and Jeff from Charlotte sports today. They both were going the other way. They both feel like Florida state got jobbed. I know Kyle Bailey came in here and felt that same way. And I can't help but think That one of the people that honestly did their job in defending the ACC yesterday, I commend them for that. It was the admirable position that I wanted to, just could not find myself doing it. I feel like they planted this evidence as further smoke for us. Yeah, trying to sub us. us. I I feel like, oops, I'm just going to accidentally leave all this evidence as to why Florida state should be in the college football playoff for those hooligans that decided that they think Alabama should be in the college football playoff. And maybe even Georgia should be in the college football playoff. Whoops. Here's all the evidence. (laughs) So nicely played Kyle Bailey, nicely played Colin Hoggard. I feel like this evidence was planted right here. The other thing I want to talk about before we get off the bus entirely, and it has to do something with our bus driver here, Wes. Yes. You know how sometimes you'll walk into the fish bowl and Fiddy is eating something. It might be just like a four pack of the mini donuts or go scratch yourself. Might be some pop tarts. Might be drinking a Coke. I mean, we've talked about the diet, the nutrition of Fiddy before I found out something this morning. what Would you find right before we hopped on in the studio? And because you like talking about his diet a lot, (laughs) I wanted to hide it from you and then get your reaction on air. Um, I stopped and said what's up to Fiddy and Flounder when they were talking in the side studio before we hopped in, and Fiddy said that he took the donuts that we received from our special listener, we appreciate very much so, who sent them in yesterday. He took the donuts home last night, and he had them this morning for breakfast. Okay. Krispy Kreme donuts, all decked out in elf-themed chocolate and goodies, and he had four of those things this morning. Wow.
0: I mean, that's I a lot,
1: Fitty. I just want to know, people are laughing at me because I was joking about the sugar high I got from just eating two donuts and like two hours worth of time. But you down four of those things for breakfast this morning. And I just want to know, how are you not shaking in your boots over
3: there? Well, I mean, look, I I needed the uh, the sugar to fuel my day. I started my morning at 6 a.m., wrote an article for the Heel Tough blog, put together a podcast. Nice plug. Started planning the today's Show. Carolina's got a 9 p.m. tip, so it's going to be a late night for yours truly by the time I watch the game. You need and then, more donuts. Yeah. So, <laughs> and look. Y'all have seen me. We do videos. I'm not a skinny man. I am overweight. If I went to the doctor, I'd probably be diagnosed as a level one diabetic. You should not be surprised that my fat ass opened this day by eating four donuts.
2: (laughs) Because I'm
3: not surprised I went downstairs, got the plate, and said, I'm eating on four of these bleep bleep bleeps.
2: Well, you know, one day... If he ever does decide to go to the doctor, because that's the other piece of this, is that he refuses to go Yeah, he to says if he doctor, did, right? He said, yeah. Uh, you know, one day he'll learn words like high blood pressure. Yeah. You know, high pre-diabetes, all the things he's going to need to do. And when he's sitting there, you know, maybe... Having to do some type of health procedure, no, with himself. hell no, he'll no, be we... sitting there like, man, I should have maybe backed off of some of that stuff.
1: We care about you, Fiddy, <laughs> and that, that's that's a lot of donuts to start your day, especially the Krispy Kreme variety. Now, the one thing I don't want to go too in on you for is the fact that they are very good. Oh, dude, like I I could I could eat four donuts to start my day. It would be easy to do that, but there is a lot. Yeah, you know, Stanford P writing in Josh Marlowe is a legend. He's an inspiration to all of us. 704, type two diabetes incoming. Um, we also have this text I wanna ask about. I know we're just kind of randomly opening up the show today. That's just kind of the day it is on a Tuesday. We have Big T from NC saying Mac and Bone are catching some strain uh some strays. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> no, it's not happening. I'm sorry to all the significant others out there. That's not what I meant. Goodness gracious.
3: An all time. I mean that, that that'd be news to Mac if he was out here catching what you thought you were about to be catching. <laughs>
1: why did I say that? Why did I say that? Catching some strays, S T R A Y S. Catching some strays. <laughs> that was an all-time mess up by me. Catching some strays on Panthers Reddit. Do we know why they're catching strays on Panthers Reddit? Is that do we need to send Drum to go research all of this? I think we do. All right, we can do that as well. So so we'll have that. I apologize to the significant others as to why Mac might be catching something other than strays. Um, and Bagel Guy is asking, when is Walker doing the soda challenge? Yeah, this is something we need to address as well. With all of the punishments incoming, we need to start on that at least may- maybe next week because we're going to Boston. We're going to be doing our show from Boston for the Army-Navy game Thursday and Friday. And then maybe when we come back, we get our punishments starting to roll in. The soda challenge, the hot wings challenge. Wes has to wear a North Carolina outfit. We got have, a
2: lot of stuff to get through on it, technically.
1: Yes, we do. I have to dress like Kyle Singler or a Duke basketball player. I also have to dress like a bumblebee. There are a few things that we need to uh, that we need to address. So that's what we'll do. Um, I promise we're not just ignoring all of that. We will take care of our punishment. Let's do the damn thing. Mr. Bus Driver, all jacked up on donuts and sugar. Let's get off the bus.
2: We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel it. All
1: right, so I don't know if everybody watched Monday Night Football. It was a weird hype game because this game got flexed into this position. We got right. We got to see Cincinnati and Jacksonville flexed into this Monday Night Football contest or this Monday Night Football uh, slate, and it was a backup QB for Jake Browning that was suiting up. So I think most people were going with Jacksonville, who's a good football team. Jake Browning did not look good the last time out because Joe Burrow is injured, and yet he played very well throwing for over 350 yards and Cincinnati ends up winning this thing in overtime, 31 or 34 to 31 and it's because Evan McPherson is able to hit the game winning field goal, but also because Jake Browning was able to play so well. in that game, Wes. We see Trevor Lawrence go down with an ankle injury. It looked awful. He threw his helmet down in frustration. And they didn't cart him off of the field, by the way, which people were questioning about. Where in the hell is a golf cart when you need one? We're in Florida. That was the joke. So Trevor Lawrence, it seems like today MRI is showing that he has a sprained ankle. But it got me to thinking about Bryce Young a little bit. Like Bryce Young. For all of the pre-draft worry about him not being able to last He's been in this durable. league because of his size, you can have questions about Bryce Young. That's fair. But Trevor Lawrence is going down with an ankle injury. Joe Burrow's out for the year. Kirk Cousins is out for the year. Anthony Richardson is out for the year. The guy that was not durable, but such a physical specimen. Are we just out of the water with this like are we clear now with Bryce Young holding up in the NFL because it's not like he hadn't taken a beating this season the offensive line has been horrible
2: yeah I think he deserves a lot of respect for the beating that he's taken this season everybody thought that the kid if you blew on him too hard that he was gonna fly off into the stand somewhere and so this is a guy that's shown his toughness in this league and we said that when we talked about the amount of times he had been sacked at Bama by the big bad SEC you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying and he didn't get hurt much there and he's showing as much uh, in the pros for him to be a small guy he takes a lick and keeps on ticking as they say
1: Yeah, I I think with Bryce and having all of that worry, it's nice to see him continue to be able to get up. And we've seen him miss one game, and we've seen him on the injury report, I think, at least just one other time. So I'm starting to feel pretty comfortable with Bryce Young's durability, especially with the way that he does get hit. And it just feels like there have been so many QBs. I didn't even mention Aaron Rodgers that got this thing started off, which it's so unfortunate. You hate to see all of these QBs go down. But at least Bryce Young can come in and be healthy. We'll start to dig into some of his play a little bit more in Second Take Tuesday in the upcoming segment. But I do wonder, okay... If they start to help this offensive line out, which they clearly need to do, that's something they need to address first and foremost. And then they start to get the football out of his hands a little quicker. You have a better offensive play caller, whether that be Thomas Brown, just getting some of the personnel that he wants in place. Maybe this is an offense that can start to get going. It did, I think we saw some different stuff a little bit in this game for Carolina against Tampa Bay. Here are some overarching themes for me, just going back into second take Tuesday. Wes, I saw Thomas Brown attempting different stuff. I think we saw play action in the first half. I mentioned that. We saw more guys in motion. We saw Bryce Young start to throw it downfield. It felt like they were setting up those downfield throws with runs up the middle. You run Chuba Hubbard over 20 times. He gets to over 100 yards in this game. That's why I think for me Overall, I like what Thomas Brown did. He was not without his faults. Everybody will point to the third and one, fourth and one play call. Those are bad. You need to run the football if Chuba Hubbard's able to get you to third and one in the first place. But I think overall, I'm coming away with a more positive feeling than negative feeling with the new-look Panthers post-Frank Reich, having Thomas Brown as the O.C., I don't think they're going to look like San Francisco putting up 40 on the contenders in the NFC, but I think overall I leave with a positive feeling about what Thomas Brown was able to do. What about you?
2: Uh, yeah, I think he, he tried to add some different things to the offense, like you said, the motions and things like that, and also going under center uh, a little bit yes, more to try to slow down some of those pass rush Uh, and and, and all that that comes with that as well. And so uh, I think there was some things that he did that was different. You still didn't get a heck of a lot better results. I've said yesterday about 10% better. So what he can do with this offense going forward, maybe as it tends to evolve. We saw Jonathan Mingo get the football a little bit more. I think that was part of his game plan was to get him included more to get Chuba going a little bit more. And, you know, they were able to find DJ Chark a couple of times as well. And so you like what you saw there. And this was a game that came down to the final possession. They had an opportunity to be able to at least take it to overtime. And so I think that you have to take some of those positives from that. And we'll see what they do as they have another division opponent. They're struggling right now in the New Orleans Saints.
1: All right, we got a couple of texts on the Carolina men's clinic text line, seven oh four five seven oh ninety six ten. Murph and high point, don't jinx Bryce Man, Big Cat Dan. Gave me a Tyler Perry Medea meme, shaking her head, saying, "You just jinxed Bryce." I'm knocking on wood. I apologize. How dare you? Yeah, I promise. I'm sorry, Don. I'm knocking on wood. We've already
2: said this, and uh, he's made it through. Uh, Game. Well, uh, yes,
1: yes, I know. We're. I guess I'm doing it a little bit more confidently now. So <laughs> now I'm knocking on wood. I can promise you that. Yeah. Um, the Bagel Guy wrote in. You got me thinking of Bryce too. How long does it take for him to throw for 350 yards, SMH? We are so bad. Yes, but the key point there is we. Panthers. The Panthers are bad. That's why, I mean, Cincinnati. Ain't no Jamar Chase out here running routes for Bryce Young. Sure, and T.
2: Higgins. Ain't and all no T. That Higgins
1: stuff. out here running routes. And Zach Taylor. Has and shown. Joe Mixon
2: to hand the ball to. Them.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. I, key word there. We, as in the Panthers as a team, have not been good. Let's dissect that very team we're discussing. And second take Tuesday on the other side of the break. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 927 WFNC. <laughs> messing up going to a sexual innuendo earlier in the segment we're talking donuts we're talking bryce young we're talking injuries we got a lot going on in Wes and walker sports radio 92 7 wfnz as always because it's tuesday it's now time to turn the page to second take tuesday and just getting your theme maybe before we dive in to individual plays here wes i talked about thomas brown attempting different stuff the other takeaway i had from going back over this game Not as many penalties. We had, I believe it was PMAC calling in. If it was somebody else, I apologize. But we got a call in yesterday saying there wasn't as many penalties yesterday with Chris Tabor and Thomas Brown. That's true, which is great. But man, they still hurt couple penalties that happened bringing back bryce young in the offense when they were trying to score at the end of the first half that was the holding i believe on justin mccray and you also had a ygm hands to the face on what was a good defensive stop that allowed the bucks to keep driving they scored a touchdown so penalties still hurting this team even if there wasn't as many and there's something to be said for that i don't want to take it away but man it really hurt them when you go back and assess, ooh, it might have taken away a scoring opportunity for Carolina, and it prolonged a scoring opportunity for the Buccaneers.
2: Yeah, the bad quality over quantity is what you're saying, is that when they did get the penalties, it really, really hurt some big opportunities yep. for them in the football game. Well, the first play I'm going to start out with, it's kind of a loaded one. It's kind of a 2 and one giving you a two-for-one. That's one of my favorite things when it's I go It's a great deal. When you go two-for-one, two, two one. It's, yeah, oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So, um Each of Mike Evans' big catches. Uh, The Panthers have given up the least amount of 10-plus yard plays this season and the second least amount of plays over 20-plus yards. But the thing that's hurt this defense is that, you know, when you have an offense that's constantly giving the ball back to the other team, teams get so many chances, and eventually they're going to make the play or the plays to win the football game. And so that was one observation of it. And then also Mike Evans. Probably going to be a guy on the open market. Is this a guy that Carolina should pursue this offseason with a player that's hurt them in so many ways over the years? I would imagine that Evans would want to go to a contender, but still, you know, Carolina will have the money to be competitive with him as anybody else will be.
1: Mike Evans would be a great addition, even if he is a little older. The the question is, do you get out? Do you go away from the aging wide receiver and miss out on one really good year of production while maybe the next two on the contract aren't going to be good, or do you just not care?
2: Yeah, and, and I think Mike Evans has a lot of good ball left in him. And he's
1: yeah, and it's not like his game is based off of him. Mean, he's fast. I'm not trying to yeah, get it's crazy. it's not like he's
2: some type of yak guy that's built on physicality yeah. and going to get hurt a lot. I think he's a guy that's probably got three to four more years of good football in him.
1: Yeah, Mike Evans, uh, I wonder if Tampa Bay finds a way to keep him. And uh, Baker Mayfield, one thing that Baker would do, was he would kill your number one wide receiver's chances of getting to 1,000 yards. Mike Evans broke that for that reason alone. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's on
2: pace to have maybe 1,500, 1,600 yards if he keeps going.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy season for Mike Evans, and salute to him. I'm going to go to one of my favorite throws from Bryce Young this year, Wes. 34 seconds left to go in the second quarter. So you Mm. pick up seven yards on the run with Tuba Hubbard. You have one timeout left, but they're scrambling. No huddle, shotgun, Bryce Young uncorked to pass on the left side. Probably the biggest laser beam that he's thrown this season. I I want, you know, we were having fun with the conversation. He threw a seed, he threw a rocket, he threw a blank missile. He threw like a pretty nice ball to DJ Chark with some heat on it. And that's not anything that we see from him quite a bit, especially when you're throwing downfield. So you have one timeout left, even a sideline throw is preferred because you want to get out of bounds. You want to save that timeout while you're trying to drive to score at the end of the first half. And he holds his head in the middle, just making sure that safety doesn't cheat to one side or the other. And then as soon as he turns his head to the left, bang, uncork it. Like he knew exactly where he wanted to go. This isn't even him reading so much. This is him knowing, okay, I know I want to go this way with the football. I need to hold the safety, hold the safety. And as soon as he turns his head, he throws it. It's not like, oh, it's open and I'm going to throw it. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And it might be the throw with the most sauce on it that I've seen from him. You love seeing the toolsy type of throw from Bryce Young because this is a guy that was not drafted number one overall because of his physical attributes. And he showed, I can put some mustard on it every now and then. I, this game, he had some throws, man. Like Ian Harwitz put out a clip of some of his best throws. It, there are signs here, if you want to go back and watch it, that says, okay, this is someone that can figure it out once they start to put a system back in place. And I think that's the throw that started it all for
2: me. Yeah, I will agree with you on that, too. And and if I pointed to an intangible thing about his game that I love is that he does throw with uh, anticipatory traits. He throws with a lot of anticipation. And that's one of the things that's hurt him, I think, this year is that he has guys that he doesn't necessarily – count on at this point to get open and I think that's why sometimes he may hold the ball because he may be pretty hesitant because he's like man if I throw this thing I don't know that this guy's going to be there and it could end up being a turnover to hurt my football team and I was going to say before you go too also just looking at Chark and a couple of the catches that he made it's like you know he's been so inconsistent like I said we found him on the milk cart and finally he came back to us and you know is it has he been misused or is it just him being inconsistent
1: I wonder if DJ Chark thrives in a system where he's a guy. So, for instance, does his production come along with Thomas Brown actually mixing it up where you run a few short yardage plays? If, if you look at some of these plays that happened, especially the 30-yard pass to DJ Chark on the right side, it's not where I wanted to go, but, hell, we're second take Tuesday. That's fine with me. 30-yard bomb to the right side, that was set up by a lot of Runs short pass to Jonathan Mingo, short pass, picking up yards, five yards at a time, whatever. And then you get into shot territory. Like, it's funny, Wes. Every football fan knows what shot territory is. Like, it's real basic stuff. You mention it all the time with the smart offensive play callers. It's not like they're reinventing the wheel. They're just implementing what are good, normal offensive practices. So you have a lot of plays that are lulling the defense to sleep. They got to pay attention to what's in front of them. Then you're at the 40 yard line, boom, you throw it deep to DJ Chark, and it's not like he ran some crazy route. It's not like, oh, there's DJ Chark pulling off something crazy. All you did was run a seam down the sideline. That's what he did. This is this is how you use DJ Chark. And Thomas Brown decided to do it because of the way that they were able to set it up as well. Left side, right side, Chark, two of the three catches that he had.
2: Yeah. All right. So moving on to it and continuing with that theme in the third quarter on third and two, 10-56. I mean, it was a cover sack by Tampa Bay. But the thing was that you could see Bryce's head turning, going through his progression before that sack same thing happened at third and 11 in the third quarter the blitz comes doesn't have a hot nobody's open fast enough i mean when you see that blitz come and then the quarterback just kind of sits there and kind of eats it like bryce did because he had enough time to get a throw off either there was bad play in tampa had the perfect defense called into the perfect play to where bryce didn't have a hot maybe he didn't uh anticipate the blitz and see a pre-snap there were a lot of different things there But uh, also nobody got open quick enough for him to be able to find that outlet when that blitz came. And the same thing with the coverage sack before that. And I think it just points more so towards, you know, just him being hamstrung out there with what he has to work with.
1: Yeah. um, I I think there were, there was the highlight from the, the broadcast booth where they were hating on the Panthers all day long. That's what they were doing. And that was one of the highlights I think that you could show. I'll move to defense. So, the first and 10 on Tampa Bay scoring drive, it was at the end of the third, you were transitioning into the fourth quarter and on first and 10, right off the bat, Baker Mayfield throws a check down to Rashad white and he picks up 20 yards. If you go back and watch that play, Derek Brown, who was phenomenal in this game, he doesn't win immediately, but he wins pretty damn quickly. Mm -hmm. And when he does, he throws the center to the side Baker does a great job of moving in the pocket to his left, and he's like, okay, Derek Brown, breathing down my neck, I need to get rid of this football, throws it to Rashad White, so already, okay, you don't get the sack, but at least you force a check down, let the tacklers rally to the ball, and then bring them down before he picks up the first, except the latter doesn't happen. Derek Brown does his job, Frankie Louvu, as much as we like him as a player, I- I'll have that guy as a linebacker on my team all day, every day awful angle, awful angle on the pursuit. And Rashad White's not even like a crazy juke. He just turns to the right. (laughs) And Frankie Luva was running towards the first down Mm -hmm. marker. So I think he was just like trying to protect more than he was pursuing the ball carrier. And Rashad White turns what was probably like a six-yard reception into a 20-yarder and I, you can give your thought on this too, Wes. Like Ryan Clark and I think Marcus Spears were talking about this on NFL Live mm-hmm. and it reminded me of this play. This is a first down league. What you do on first down sets up everything, and if you win, if you get a big play on first down, it just opens up everything in the world to your offense, it puts you in a great position. You flip the field here, because you're on the 33-yard line, you're on 33, and then you get 20 yards, all right, now you're already in opponent territory, and you've got a few more downs to work with. I just felt like it put them behind, and Tampa Bay ends up scoring a touchdown on that drive. I thought that first play really set it up.
2: Yeah, it does, and first down all the time, that's why teams always talk about staying ahead of the chains. and. That's one of the things that you want to do and it keeps the defense off balance because most teams you get rocked to sleep in the mentality that more times than not a team is going to hand the ball off on first down. But when you've got a team that's constantly mixing things up with their first down play calling, it makes it extremely difficult to deal with. Keeping up with the spirit of
1: the question, Chris and Rockwell has a question for us. Rockwell. Wes, is it just me, or do we not have checkdowns available for Bryce all that often? That's from Chris. What do you think about the checkdowns?
2: Um Yeah, I mean, there's more than likely going to be a back in the route. On a lot of plays But then you also have to think of The prote- bro- the protection has been so tough too That a lot of times you have to leave a back end To be able to help out with the blocking And we've seen that some of these guys They're not that adept at it I mean but he definitely tries hard But he struggles in that department So sometimes that's one of the Uh the big minuses of not having a good offensive line is that you're going to have to leave backs in there sometimes for yeah. support to help. I help.
1: Th- I think Chuba is a much better pass protector than he is an outlet guy. Like, if you look at him, I think he's picked up blitzes okay, and uh, there's been some decent grace for him as far as a pass protector goes. But Chuba just serving as the outlet, you check it down to him and allow him to pick up yards, doesn't have the greatest hands. Got involved a little bit, but... We don't have that guy. If Miles Sanders isn't going to be involved in the passing game, Wes, and Blackshear, they're just not going to give that many snaps to, then who's your check down? You don't have that third down typical back if Blackshear just isn't going to be used. So it feels like a you know, a decent point from Chris bringing up, hey, they just don't have a ton of check downs for Bryce. It's mass, and max protect now, especially with Thomas Brown. As the That's
2: ADC. the value of when you have a big time back that can do it all. You know, so it would be nice. don't like to pay him or, you know. Don't like to draft them high, but if you have a chance to get a nasty running back, it definitely enhances. Or draft offense. one in the third round. Maybe, if you get <laughs> lucky. <laughs> All right, so staying on the defensive side, uh, Marquise Haynes in the sack. He got him a sack on a stunt right there. We know that he's a situational pass rusher by trade. But he also, uh, in this football game, he had single-game career highs in total tackles and solo tackles with 7 and 5, respectively. Not saying this guy was going to come out and be an all-pro player this year, but was Marquise Haynes a guy that you feel like, had he been around for most of the year, maybe he could have been that help for Derek Brown and Brian Burns in the pass rush department? I
1: think so. I I like Marquise Haynes as a situational pass rusher. Totally fine for what he's supposed to do on this team. But remember, we forgot about him. I had just never played at the beginning of the season, got hurt. And because of his role, because of who he is as a player, probably contributed to this. But we just didn't really talk about him all that much. Oh, wait until they get J.C. Horn back. Oh, well, yeah, it's not like Dante Jackson is the best corner. But man, when he's not banged up, at least it's better than C.J. Henderson. We kept going to other guys that were out. And then you would forget about Marquise Haynes, but they need some help on the opposite side of Brian Burns. Yeah, That's been true sacks, this entire time. Tie for
2: next to last in the NFL.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Marquise, I think, being available, he probably contributes, what, five and a half or six with a, a high-end performance for him, mm-hmm. which isn't nothing. So, yeah, that would have helped this season.
2: Yeah, and so also, too, continue that. My last play, uh, staying on the defensive side as well on that third and two uh, Chris God went on that reverse for a touchdown. And just all the missed tackles. Yeah, Panthers lead the NFL in missed tackles. So far, they've He's got sick. 98 for the season, three ahead of the Houston Texans. And so that's been... If you want to point to any fatal flaw of this defense, it is the tackling. If you're able to be able to get the ball out in space, you can plan on getting a chunk play off of this defense because they just don't tackle well.
1: is it. I mean, this defense with everybody saying that's been the strongest unit, it's low bar offense has been so terrible, but they've played pretty good defense all year long. If they didn't lead the league in missed tackles, how much better would this be, defense be? They'd be
2: so much better. And then you talk yeah. about the sacks. I mean, the, the leader in the NFL, you're talking Baltimore's got 47 sacks, and the Panthers are way down there with 19. That's pretty paltry number. Oh, yeah, it's
1: not good. Last play for me, I'm going to go to the interception from Baker Mayfield. And throwing it up for grabs, in pressure, Mike Evans, big wide receiver, you know, there are worse up-for-grabs throws that QBs could make. Xavier Woods does a good job of coming in and contested. I, my only knock for Mike Evans this game, who clearly had a monster outing, uh, didn't fight for that. Like It was weird. And Mike Evans, being the big type of receiver that he is, it felt like Xavier Woods just came over here and grabbed it and didn't have any problem doing so. I thought it was going to be a 50-50 ball. Mike Evans didn't treat that interception or that reception for him like a 50-50 ball. It was weird. Like, yeah, a, he
2: came in there and it was a, you know... Woods came up, put his body on him, yeah. got the ball. It was almost like a rebound in basketball. You rarely see Mike Evans lose those types of matchups, yeah. but he did on that
1: one. Yeah, I mean, and clearly he, the dude had a a great game, you know, and gave it to you however you wanted, whether it was a deep ball, whether it was a slant, whatever. But just a weird interception where it felt like Mike Evans at least could have made a bat down on it. But yeah. Xavier Woods coming in and. Bringing you some big hits. We've liked Xavier Woods all year long. One of the mm-hmm. better Scott Fitterer signings of his tenure, and pretty yeah, easily he's been so. Solid. Yeah, what you think, Fitty?
3: I was just going to ask after after that INT, Wes, would Baker still have been in your top 10 if you could have retroactively
2: ranked your top 10 players for Sunday's game? Yeah, I mean, quarterback still picks. I mean, I know Mike Evans did a lot of the running on the play, but he still threw a 75 yard touchdown pass. So I mean, it was a Brock
3: Purdy touchdown pass, so he threw it in the wide shoot did all the work.
2: What's he doing to you,
3: man?
1: Like this this, is this your guy. You used to always accuse me of being the problem that is trying to divide the friendship of one Wes and Fiddy, but it yeah. ain't me. It's Fiddy. Yeah. He's turning his back on you, Wes. Well, what it's Walker, not me.
3: What Walker failed to mention to you, Wes, was this was a planted opinion of Walker. He wanted to... Do it
2: through you. Do of it course he, I'm, Of course I'm sure. he throws you I'm under sure. the bus. I'm right? sure that's exactly what of we talked about in the does. fishbowl.
1: All right, you're done. I'm going to it early. I'm putting you to work even earlier. Time now for the fitty flash. And I was gonna say the too, the I don't
2: talk to people whose teams my team beats 42 to 10. So, that's right. You know, we've been done with y'all. And I don't I don't talk to
1: people who are fans that beat my team by 23, so take that. Do the fitty flash, fitty. It's all right. To be a little fitty. fitty. A little hometown big old city might
3: as well share might as well smile Life goes on for a little city. another debate maybe even a controversy around college football is who was going to go to new york for the heisman trophy and who's going to ultimately win the the award on saturday night well we got the finalists Jaden daniels from lsu Maserati Marv, Marvin Harrison, the standout wide receiver from the Ohio State University. Bo Nix from Oregon and Michael Penix Jr. from Washington are your four finalists to win the prestigious award. Wes, we know it's, it's been a playoff award the last decade or so. Do you think it's Michael Penix
2: or do you think Jaden Daniels' season maybe propels him to uh, the Heisman Trophy? No, I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels at this point. I'm going to go with the odds we had last week. And I also saw this morning he was the first, oh, I can't remember what it was, the second play in college football history that had 1,000 yards, 40-plus passing touchdowns, and 10-plus rushing. It's something like that, some historic stat that he had. He's had a ridiculous season, and I think his team finished just good enough for him to be able to do it. This is the Lamar argument when he won it. His team was not a playoff contender, but the numbers were so overwhelming. I think Michael Penix, he played a solid game versus Oregon, but he didn't go scorched earth. And so I think that Jay Daniels is going to get this award. I mean, this
1: guy has 50 touchdowns on the year. He has 40 touchdown passes. He has 10 rushing touchdowns. He ran for 1,100 yards, and he threw for 3,800 yards. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty dumb numbers. Even in just looking at what other Heisman Trophy winners were able to do at the quarterback position, he's right there with some of the better Heisman campaigns that we've seen. The only thing that he doesn't have is the zero or the one in the last column. He's got three of them, got a loss to Alabama, one to Ole Miss, and one to Florida State to lead the season off. It's going to be so tough for me, but I just can't ignore those numbers. I think Jaden Daniels should win it this year. I guess the argument
3: is that he lost every big game he played, though. Florida State lost to Bama, and that Ole Miss game, you know, keeps him out of a New Year's Six Bowl game.
1: Yeah, he scored 28 against Bama, and he and the offense, right? But I don't know what you do against Ole Miss. Goodness gracious, the guy threw for, you know, they scored 49 points, threw for 400 yards. And even against Florida State, it's the defense that just melted in the second half, allowing Florida State to score 45 i don't know yeah he don't inter-
2: sleep on him too moving up as that third fourth quarterback in the draft yeah. they could yes. get into that first round i think for sure somebody's gonna take him in that top 15. yeah i mean he's been great yeah, yeah. it's no surprise
1: that he's gonna go in the first round it should be a re- it's gonna be a hard one to try to figure out let's go to college basketball on the other side of the break it's jimmy v week carolina has a monster game against yukon tonight but Duke is off to a little bit of a slow start. Fiddy asks us a question we're going to bring to the airwaves. Is it fair to have the same conversation about Duke that we had about UNC last season? Think about that for a moment. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.
2: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: Flounder walked into the studio. It's about lunchtime for the producers. We always love when Flounder comes in talking about what those guys want for lunch. And the first thing that Flounder hears, amongst others, is if UNC wins tonight, I'm going to get nude behind the board. Yeah. Because that's what we deal with on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. Fiddy out here in what is a big game, no doubt, huge champion from last year, right before the season, big non-conference schedule. Like what you got here is a very good game. And if they win, Fiddy has said multiple times, by the way, that he's going to undress in the studio. Yeah, let's go Huskies! Yeah, let's. Uh, I might even be pulling for the Huskies to be honest with
2: you. <laughs> Although uh, we we've, we've
1: talked about Fiddy's get up today, this is the flies
2: he's looked yeah, in he's, the studio for a while. He's big game ready today. He's got the hat. He's got the color coordinated T shirt under the jersey, like mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing back in the day at Georgetown. He's got the. Nice brown pants on That's with what I'm, it, what it's the, the pants. UNC toe
1: Jordan. It's the pants that bring it all together. Yeah. The pants are the glue guy in the team that is Fitty's get up. Yeah. Because it's not like, oh, those are the craziest pants I've ever seen, but they're better than some sweatpants or some shorts that he might wear and they bring it all the way down to the Jordans, the new Jordans that he actually purchased. Yeah. This is a real thing now. You look good today. Yeah. And I don't want you to strip Giggy. tomorrow in us not see you in this kind of
3: outfit oh yeah outfit. no i mean look it's uh yeah this is a, this is the biggest non-conference game carolina's played in in over five years and there's something about this type of game against the blue blood program at nine o'clock so it makes it feel even more important yeah i'm i'm psyched for tonight
1: um real quickly just to, i don't know why i'm doing this just staying on the nudity topic one more time Flander. if you want to hop on the mic you said, "Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm bringing ugly. you in. I'm bringing bringing you in." You said uh, you were yeah. questioning as to why he would strip for a regular season game.
4: Well, That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like regular season, maybe you could get away with that against certain Duke teams, <laughs> right? <laughs> hmm.
2: What's but like?
1: Get <laughs> I mean maybe, a, na- yeah. a national maybe title we would allow
2: that if it yeah, was against to Duke. To me, like Natty or a big win over Duke at Cameron, you beat them at home. You know, that's kind of expectations because I feel like you guys are going to always split mm. um, for the most part. So a big win at Cameron in dramatic fashion could perhaps prompt something like well, that. Well, that's the other problem, right?
4: We we had two golden opportunities two years ago. K's final home game, mm-hmm. pants on, fully clothed. Yeah. Uh, final <laughs> four victory over Duke, fully clothed. Yeah, so was. I I think you missed your mark there.
3: Yeah, and it's, now no, just, it's a good point. And I'm just remembering, because you talked about how it would just be reserved for a Duke game. Go back to 2013 Jabari Parker's final game at Cameron, Carolina Andrew on a 12-game winning streak. And we did not start the game off very well. And because I am superstitious, I started taking off clothing. And by the end of said game, what? I ended up in the nude while we lost to Duke. So even were you watching, what? Were you watching the game with Flounder? No. Okay. No, I've never even heard this story, no. and I am now scarred for yeah. life. <laughs> I was I was at home in my living room, and uh, I was down. In and then your living ju- in you know. your
4: living room, you still live with your parents, though. You were like seventeen. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> good point, yep. Flounder. Small a good point. children in the house at the time too. Mm. Oh my God, you are the worst
1: person ever. Did you give anybody a warning?
3: Well, I had the part of the house all to myself. Everyone else was in the other part of the house. Like I knew there was gonna be no intruders, and
1: you're gonna have that part of the studio all to yourself as well. Okay. And you're and I'm not going back there. You're gonna have all that to yourself. I think tomorrow is a great day to to start
3: the punishments where you run the board and I host.
4: Like
1: no, no, that's not the day to do it.
4: I have to question things here because you said you had this part of the house to yourself. This was at your parents' house, at your dad's house, correct? No. Oh, is that your mom's house? Okay. That makes more sense because if it was at his dad's house, I was going to say, um, no, That I, I remember the setup of your dad's house. He would have yeah. been literally right next door. <laughs>
1: I think lying. I feel like Fiddy knew where you were getting at and then had to lie mid, Hey, I got nude at this part of the house. Oh, I'm not lying. In order to he, said, he thinks
2: it. on his toes, doesn't he? Yeah, he I'm, does. I'm, I'm being dead serious. Nah, you're the, not li- the
4: setup yeah. of his mom's house, the way that it used to be, I believe him. I okay. believe he was cause he, it, it was. Where you could separate yourself made sense. You're just a, you're a psychopath. There's no there's no way around it. That's a, like it's, it's a good way to end. Oh my
1: god! Thank you, Flounder, for talking about your friend's nudity. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll bring you on next week to do the same thing. um I did not want to spend that much time, but I do want to get to Duke's slow start because mm-hmm. we're coming off of a loss to Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to lose to Arizona at the very beginning of the season. Maybe even Arkansas on the road, despite them not having their best player. Arkansas still a good basketball team. That's a good coach. They get to the Sweet 16. But then on the road to Georgia Tech, we're not used to seeing that. So now the Blue Devils are off to a 5-3 and three start, ninth in the ACC, before we really gear up for big-time conference play. And Fiddy had the question... Should we be talking about this Blue Devils team mm-hmm. like we were with this North Carolina Tar Heels team last year? High expectations, guys coming back, bringing in some newer talent. Should we be having that similar conversation here with this Duke squad? What do you say to that question?
2: Yeah, uh, I think this is a case of a team that's feeling the expectations so far. We've talked about the absence of lively and how much of a difference that has made. And when you look at Duke, their eighth and field goal percentage defense. They are seventh in three-point field goal percentage defense, and they're eighth in three-point field goal percentage. And then when you go uh, take a look at who's putting in the work so far this season, it's the returning guys for them Flip, Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell Tyrese Proctor, those are your leading scorers, the freshmen uh, some of them, they're doing okay like a Caleb Foster and Jared McCain, they're averaging 16 points between them, but TJ Power you're only getting 4 points, Sean Stewart 3.8, Ryan Young 2.8, Jalen Blakes is really struggling right now barely averaging 2 points per game and they're getting decent enough minutes to be more productive than that And so I think for these freshmen, you know, it's one thing to come into a situation and you're hot and Everybody's loving you and they're thinking you're going to be the man. And then when you step on that floor for Duke and you have that number one or number two or number three in front of your name and you've got to go out there and perform, that's a different level of expectations for these young guys that I think as the season goes along, they'll get more accustomed to and they'll play better. But for right now, the depth is not showing up for them with those uh, young freshmen. And so just to be clear, you are a little worried like
1: you were similarly so with Carolina last Mm -hmm. season. You were a little afraid to ask this question, and I understand why, Fitty, because you are a Carolina fan. You don't want to act like you're real biased. You don't want to say, hey, I'm really worried about Duke, but it only be because you're a Carolina fan. I don't think it's a bad question to ask, understanding where you might be fearful to ask it. But what do you think? Like, seriously, if you were to go down and you were really to try to find your opinion on this— without understanding or understanding that you might have the Jordan jersey on are you worried for this Duke team if you were a blue devil fan
3: i mean i think you got to be somewhat concerned right like two of the three losses are very defendable like you lost at home to arizona that's the number 1 team in the country you lost on the road to arkansas in an environment that duke won't see the rest of the year it's like nc state on crack down there in fayetteville but you lose to a georgia tech team that yes beat mississippi state earlier in the week Damon Stoudemire's got some positive energy in that program, but that's a game that Duke should win every day during the week and twice on Sunday. You also trot at halftime to Southern Indiana. So, like, it hasn't just been that they're losing to marquee opponents like Tennessee has. And like Carolina a year ago, their issues lie in on the offensive end of the floor. Tyrese Proctor hasn't been the guy that he was supposed to be the the, the first month or so of the season. They've got the talent to figure it out. But I don't know if the second-year head coach, kind of like Hubert Davis last year, is going to be able to figure out their problems on the offensive end of the floor.
1: Well, you brought up Tyrese Proctor, and if you look at the last two games, he just didn't play. He was out in the first minute of this game against Georgia Tech. That's a big deal. When you have a pro... But you got Jeremy Roach on the roster. I mean, a oh, fifth-year veteran. I'm not excusing the loss, but it is a big deal when you lose a pro on a team. If If you're going to be drafted in the first round of the NBA draft, it's a lot of talent to lose. I'm not saying they would have won. But it's a big deal you go to arkansas proctor goes three of 12 and then you go to arizona proctor goes three of nine one of six from three this team is gone as proctor is gone and when he came back that was a big deal for this squad we talked to him about it at acc media day john shire said the same thing we we knew pretty quickly about proctor when he came back that made my job a lot easier but in their losses he has been the one that's either gotten hurt, it's not his fault, against Georgia Tech, but the other two just not making shots. And you still, at this point, their best win is against Michigan State, who lost to James Madison to open up the season in an awful way. Every other win that they have, if you look at Duke's schedule right now, it's been against you know group of five schools, Dartmouth to lead the season, Bucknell, LaSalle,
3: Southern Indiana. I mean, they've got Charlotte. I'm ready for this next game. Go Niners! Mac and Bone are going to be there. What if Mack curses the Blue Devils in person? I'd love him forever. Well, Mac, <laughs> Mac plays both sides,
1: right? Doesn't he go with Duke and North Carolina? He's one of those guys. Who does he pull for if they play against one another? Do we know this?
3: Whichever makes for the best radio. Okay. I think deep down, Mac is is a Tar Heel fan.
1: Okay. I know you want to believe that. Last thing before we end. I I want to give love to Clemson basketball, too, who is 7-0. Cam tweets things, just saying the same thing here on the text line. I want to give love to Clemson as well. We heard about that. Little birdies were telling you that they love Clemson this year, right?
2: I love birdies. Tweet, tweet.
1: (laughs) Wes is Snow White out here with birdies following him, telling him different things about the ACC. Rapid fire all across the room. Mm -hmm. What does a win mean tonight for UNC? What does a loss mean tonight for the Tar Heels?
2: Man, uh, I think a win solidifies that this is a team to be reckoned with. I think a loss, depending on how it looks, I mean, if it's close, I feel like it's just a basketball team that's going to be competitive. I mean, this is going to be a tough matchup. UConn top five in the country in rebounding margin, 18th in scoring defense, and both of these guys are 20th and 21st in scoring offense, so what's going to give tonight?
3: A win stamp at book at Carolina basketball is back among the nation's elite. Depends on what the loss looks like. If they lose and they compete, maybe this is a team that's going to compete the rest of the year. If they get blown out like they have in at times under Huber Davis, the questions around him in the program, they'll still exist.
1: Yeah, I think unless they get beat down by like 15, 20 and they're not in it, pretty win-win scenario for Carolina. You're going against the champion from last year. They still are a very good basketball team. If they win, of course, they're back. That's what people are going to be saying. This is a team that is a force to be reckoned with. They just beat UConn. They have some impressive wins already against Tennessee. They scored 100. If they lose, but it's competitive, they lose by five or something like that, Mm -hmm. then I'm not going to change my opinion on them, right? So pretty, pretty nice win-win scenario for them. They have two other ranked opponents, by the way. After this UCA opponent, yeah, I just opponent. like them to lose, lose. I know. Well, I, that's what you want them to do, right? You want them to lose, lose. It feels like they're in a win-win Go scenario. My yourself. favorite is when they
2: get leads to, and then the team comes back and blow them out, like that Kansas game. That I hate QNC you. I, I hate your time. guts. I love that game because Boo they, is they sorry came back ass. and they got their hopes up, and then Kansas just blew them out. <laughs> How do you get blown out twice in one game, that, man? You know what's What funny? a gift. Uh, look, I know we got to go to break, but
1: I have never heard an angrier rant from Fiddy without him saying anything. He just cursed you out, basically, with Don LaGreca sound bites, and yeah. also turned your mic off. Maybe the first time, at least one of two times. Nice job. Fiddy really working yeah. as a producer. And by the way, Duke dropped today.
2: all the way to 22nd this week. A couple of losses
1: will do that. Georgia Tech loss, that'll no do it. All right, let's move on. Let's talk more college sports football coming up next. Campus Corner Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ. Let bitty cook.